Okay, would you open God's precious holy word to 1 Samuel 22. David is now officially in exile. He was in exile for 10 years, about 10 years before finally he became the king. The safest place in the world is in the will of God. Those 10 years are going to find David in the middle of grave danger on a regular basis. In our study in the Psalms on Wednesdays, I mean, I'm sorry, on what is this? On Sundays, whatever. It's a church night anyway. We uh, saw a couple of Psalms that David had, uh, was inspired to write when he was running from and hiding from King Saul. So here uh, begins his real trek and we will see uh, how he begins to develop, how the Lord begins to build him up, even though he's in exile. Now, well, let's just get into it and we'll cover that part when we get there. So he moves now from Gath to Adullam, which is where the cave is. And my, I don't know. I'm just having all kind of, there it is. David went away from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And his brothers and all of his father's household heard and went down there to, to him there. Okay, so his brothers now have just deserted King Saul uh, and have left the army. The Bible has taught us that during this time, Saul had an army of 3,000 chosen men. Among those had been uh, David's brothers. But they're well aware of the fact that David has been anointed king and that Saul has gone crazy in his opposition to David. So they all come. They're the first ones to come to him when he goes to the cave. And every man who was in distress... Every man who had a creditor, every man of embittered spirit gathered themselves to him and he became a chief over them and there were about 400 men with him. Huh. And there they are, right up in there. That's okay, I'll just use this one up here. My backside looks better anyway. Um, I work so hard on it. <laughs> You're laughing harder than anybody. <laughs> well, look at that list. Every man, who, every man who was in distress, every man who had a creditor, every man of embittered spirit gathered themselves to him. He became a chief over them there were about 400 of them. <laughs> it almost sounds like they had just been through a very disappointing election, doesn't it? <laughs> May as well laugh about it, right? 
They had nothing. Well, here, here, seriously, I, I keep, I have to take my glasses off and I don't want to. I'm, I have double pink eye, so stay away from me. And I feel like I look like I'm morphing into a werewolf, uh, which is an improvement. Uh, but they need a little air there. King Saul has wreaked havoc on the population and on the economy of Israel. So these are representative of the people across the land, but these, these were men who were so committed they were ready to join David in whatever David was going to do. Later on, we'll get into 2 Samuel and we'll study about the mighty men of David. He had 39 of them. And uh, I think one of them killed a thousand with a, a spear or something like that. They were pretty tough guys. So what did they have to do when they came to stay with David. They learned how to fight. They learned how to pray. This is the guy writing the prayers from the Holy Spirit. They learned how to worship. I'm sure they were taught by, of course, Gad the prophet was there. And he is an encourager at this point in time. They had David, the real king of Israel. And then we're going to see that they'll have the last priest of, of I guess, about the last priest of the household of, of Eli, who we met at the very first of 1 Samuel. Prophet, priest, and king. They had nothing to lose and David, and we learned this about David in his life. That's what I had. What was that? Uh, eye wiper. I can barely see. So anyway, I'm glad I found it. Did it stick to my foot or something? Okay. They were in great distress. They had nothing to lose. And so they came to David. David was their encourager. He's the progenitor of the Christ. He is the anointed king. He is everybody's hero. He is the replacement for Saul. Can you imagine living in a world where everybody longed for a replacement to the king? <laughs> Just asking. Because the king had been so cruel to them that they had nothing. We're going to find out later that uh, their families came and lived kind of close by. And they became a community. 
of, of people who were endeared to David. David, unlike Saul, was not doing everything for himself. He was looking after his people. He cared for them. He put himself on the line for them. He was, he was living for the cause of Christ and in the cause of Messiah and investing himself in these people and they loved him. They were, they were loyal to him. They were, they were completely sold out to service. Now, as I said earlier, it is obvious that they would have spent their time learning how to be an army. Not as big as Saul's army, but a much more efficient army and a tougher army. Better fighters, more courageous, totally committed. I've told you that, that line, that I think it came from Alexander the Great. He said, I would rather fight 10,000 lions led by a lamb than to fight 10,000 lambs led by a lion. Well, David is the progenitor of, of uh, the Lion of Judah. This is their symbol. This is who they are. This is, this is David, the leader of those people who are seen as lions. And now these 400 men have completely joined themselves to him. So they are, they are totally sold out to their service to David. Now this gets to be important because David, the Lord does this. David needed an army. He's, he, he's not looking for the army at this point in time, but God brings them to him. God, God leads them from wherever they are around in the land. God brings them to David because God knows David needs them. And I told you, the, the, the title of this message is the safest place in the world to be is in the will of God. He doesn't live in a castle. He, he lives in a cave. He doesn't have 3,000 men who are professional soldiers. He has 400 who are in debt. They have nothing. They're bitter and they're in distress. But they found hope in David. These 400, which will in time grow to 600, these 400 are far are going to show us and then they turn into 600 are going to be more choice than Saul's 3000 it is a they are a microcosm of how disgruntled the people across the land are because Saul is so well, he's crazy. He's self-centered. He, he's, he's paranoid. He knows that people are out to kill him and all this kind of thing. And so he, he becomes dangerous. 
in his paranoia, murderous uh, and, and, and evil. So now he moves from Adullam to Moab. Now keep in mind that David has Moabite blood in his veins. Ruth, you remember the story? And so she was his great, great, great grandmother, I guess, there in uh, coming back from Moab. They would have known this. So David went from Adullam there to Mizpah in Moab. And he said to the king of Moab, let my father and mother come out now with you until I know what God will do for me. And he brought them before the king of Moab and they stayed with him all that time that David was in the stronghold. Now the last thing that he needed was to worry about his mother and his, his father. He wanted them to be safe because they are not, they are, there's no way they could fit in with a community of warriors. So he makes arrangements for his parents as he seeks to understand the will of God in his life. He brought them before the king of Moab. They stayed with him all the time that David was in the stronghold. Now back to Judah, and that's where Saul is. Gad the prophet said to David, you'll not stay in the stronghold. Go and enter the land of Judah. And David went and came to the forest of Cherith. And Saul heard that David and the men who were with him had become known. That is, they had, they had done things in favor of the people. Whenever the people were being intimidated uh, by the Philistines, whenever, we'll, we'll see it as it develops, but obviously whenever, whenever there was trouble that needed to be taken care of and God's people were being mistreated, David and his men stood up in their behalf. So, so Saul hears about all of this. And Saul was sitting in Gibeah under the Tamarisk tree on a hill and his spear was in his hand and all his servants were standing by him. Saul is of the tribe of Benjamin. He only allows Benjamites close to him. So we have to keep that in mind. Now we were introduced not long ago to a guy named Doeg the Edomite. So he's still, he's still hanging around. He was there, remember, when David was given the bread by the priest uh, and the priest gave David Goliath's sword and helped him. And as far as the priest knew, David was the son-in-law of the king. Uh, and he was, a, he was a great warrior in behalf of the king. But now, notice here, this guy who is, who, is, who is there as the devil's agent and how he can invoke the, the wrath of the king. Saul said to his servants who were standing by him, Hearken now, O Benjamites, with the son of Jesse, 
will the son of Jesse also give all of you fields and vineyards? Will he appoint all of you captains of thousands and captains of hundreds? Will he do for you what I've done? For all of you have rebelled against me and no one reveals to me when my son made a covenant with the son of Jesse. And no one of you feels sorry for me or reveals to me that my son has incited my servant to rise up against me to lie in wait as of this day. So this is, this is all, this is all Saul can think about. All he is consumed with is what he considers to be his political enemy. This guy's going to give me trouble. He's going to upset my, my, my throne and, and my court. And he's turning the people against me. And so fussing at the Benjamites who were around him, he said to them, and this was, we saw this earlier, when my son made a covenant with the son of Jesse, you didn't even tell me. You didn't tell me that my own son was turning to David against me. And none of you feel sorry for me. Nor do you reveal to me that my son has incited my servant to rise up against me, to lie in wait as of this day. Then, Doeg the Edomite, who was appointed over Saul's servants, answered and said, I saw the son of Jesse come to Nob, to Achimelech, the son of Achetub. And he, he inquired of Yahweh on his behalf. They didn't really do that. That's not really, but he throws in a little uh, embellishment there. Gave him provisions, that's true. Gave him the son of the, uh, gave him, I'm sorry, the sword of Goliath, the Philistine, that's true. And the king sent to call Achimelech, son of Achitub, the priest and all of his father's household, the priests who were in Nob, and they all came to the king. So the king is going to set up court. He's bringing in the priest and he's going to put him on trial. Now the priest doesn't know this at this point in time. So Saul sets up an illegal trial and passes an unjust sentence. Saul said, listen now, O son of Ahitub. And he said, here am I, I done me. My, my Lord, my, my leader. And Saul said to him, why have you rebelled against me? You and the son of Jesse, by, giving you, by you giving him food and a sword and by inquiring of God on his behalf to rise up against me as one who lies in wait as of this day. And Ahimelech answered the king and said, now, who among all of your servants is as faithful as David? See, he, he's not up to snuff on all the stuff that's happening. Who is the king's son-in-law and who goes to do your service and is honored in your house? Have I begun today to inquire of God on his behalf? Far be it from me. 
Let not the king impute anything to his servant nor to all of my father's household for your servant knew nothing of all this less and more. Absolutely nothing. The king said, you shall surely die. Achimelech. You and all of your father's household, everybody that's related to you, I'm going to put you to death. Poor guy didn't know. He thought he was doing a good thing. And the king said to the footmen who were standing beside him, turn and put the priests of Yahweh to death. For their hand is also with David. And because they knew that he was fleeing and they did not inform me and the king's servants would not put forth their hand to fall upon the priests of Yahweh. And the king said to Doeg, you turn and fall upon the priest. Now notice, they would not do what the king said to kill the priests. He said to Doeg, the Edomite, you go do it. You go kill these priests. And Doeg turned and he fell upon the priests and slew on that day 85 men, wearers of the linen ephah. These are the priests. <laughs> the priest, the priesthood of the Lord. Now, this is a horrible thing. But as horrible as it is, it is a fulfillment of a prophecy that had been made early in 1 Samuel. And the prophecy was that the household of Eli would not continue in the, in the priesthood. And of the city of the priests, he smote with the sharp edge of the sword, both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and donkey, and lamb with the sharp edge of the sword. And one son of Achimelech, the son of Achitab, whose name was Abiathar, escaped and fled after David. And Abiathar told David that Saul had slain the priests of Yahweh. It is such a pathetic state of affairs, but it tells us how when the world turns on the people of God, there is, no, there is no limit. There is no limit to the depth of their deprivation or of their cruelty. Because Satan, who is their Lord, is leading them in, in such an insurrection against God Almighty and David carried the promise of the Christ in his day. So he was, he was the personal representative of Christ. And it enrages, it enrages the world even more. And anybody connected to David that would seem to do good to David are in the crosshairs of evil King Saul. But there was one priest who escaped and was protected by David, though, though a new priesthood will be established. Yet the, here is this protected priest. David said to Abiathar, I knew on that day that Doeg the Edomite was there, that he would tell Saul, I am responsible. I brought about the death of every person of your father's household. Stay with me, fear not, for he who seeks my soul seeks your soul. For you shall be in safeguard 
with me. So now this, this priest who has no other household and at that moment, no other priests, he will serve as priest in the service of David, the true king. God's people need each other. People who are called of the Lord into leadership and, and such need people to be with them. And God assumes their responsibility. We took note earlier in this passage. David did not seek these men out. God brought them to David. A further proof of the hand of God on the life of David and on his throne and on what is within a few years to be his kingdom. The blessing of God on David, the safest place in the world to be is in the will of God. Well, we'll have our uh, deacon prayer time.